0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast with Dr. Heather Lynn, the Anunnaki Connection. Heather, who were the Anunnaki?
1: Well, isn't that the uh, million-dollar question? (laughs) I think the um, Anunnaki is, this is is where it gets a little different in my research.
0: It's gray. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yes, and there's so many different characters, if you will, in this in this story, and so I from my understanding in my research, it seems as though there are just so many of these deities that uh, you know some scholars say we just don't even know how many because some could still be out there that we've not discovered. So knowing this and seeing all the many, then tracing back how far they go and how different they are, some of them are physical beings. Some of them are described as semi-biological entities, and some of them are even described as supernatural entities, um, and all of those fall under this this label of Anunnaki. And so, what I what I tend to believe is that the Anunnaki includes many different gods and many different um, deities throughout all of this different time, and, and over time, I think that based on some of the tablets that I discuss in the book, I think that the word Anunnaki sort of turned into a label or a position much later. So just as we have the word Lord, and we would say that um, Lord God or Lord Jesus or whichever religion you may have is a is God, but then we also have a landlord, or you know that word has now become just a, a casual word. So. In a lot of different ways, it seems as though the word Anunnaki um, can mean a very large range of these beings, some of which were clearly human beings um, that were also kings. Um, But again, some of those are also described clearly as supernatural beings, and so they're all Anunnaki.
0: Zachariah Sitchin, of course, claims they came from a planet called Nibiru, which is in our solar system, but it goes way out on a 3,600-year elliptical orbit. But that they are from that planet. What do you think?
1: Well, I think that the question of Nibiru is a a little less straightforward than that. Um, You know, yes, he he did think that the um, the question of Nibiru was sort of a giant planet that would pass by Earth every thirty six hundred years. You know, it's there. The references to Nibiru in the Mesopotamian tablets are actually very very fragmentary at best, um, and so it's, it really gives rise to many different possible interpretations, and so it, it gets more complicated because astronomical associations um, are factored in, so um, these these planets or celestial bodies could also represent different gods and, and these things, so, um, you know, I'm really not sure, after the research I've done, that it would be a planet, and and I, I cover... Yeah, you
0: um, sound a little hesitant about I
1: it. I am hesitant to commit to it being an actual planet. Um, you know, if you were to look at the word um, Nibiru, uh, the newer Akkadian spelling is N-E-B-E-R-U, and that would mean to cross over... Um, or sometimes with an I, it means a fairy man, which is interesting, um, as in, like, one you may see if you were crossing over. Uh, but if you break the word apart, and this is just, you know, a curiosity, if you really break the word apart um, and look at it separately, the N-E, according to an older translation, would mean a brazier or a container for hot coals. The, um It also meant strength or force, and, and this is coming from the um, University of Pennsylvania's Sumerian Dictionary, which is you know, definitely scholarly and available to everybody to look at. Um, the B in it, the B-E, meant to diminish or receive, and then the R-I meant to lay down or cast or throw down. And so if you if you kind of, you know, just put all those together, you could interpret Nibru to mean a, a forceful brazier diminishing as it's being thrown down, which sounds a little wonky, but if you think about it, um it 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 really sounds like the actions of of uh maybe a, a comet you know I, yeah. I, I think it falls what more about another the
0: dimension or 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 you know a multiverse
1: I, I i really couldn't rule that out for sure i mean um we have no way of knowing and that's something that you know i think is really important when you consider all of these different theories and rather than say well this this person got this wrong or that wrong i think when you consider what we're actually talking about in the vast time period, and the very little information we have, I, and, and also considering how much the ancients knew that we don't give them credit for, maybe they were aware of such things. I mean, they were aware of so many different technologies and sciences, and of course, uh, very complicated astronomy. Um, why couldn't they? I, I, I think anything is open at this point.
0: Your cover of the illustration of your book, The Anunnaki Connection, depicts what I would think is Adam and Eve, correct? Yes. Now, Zachariah Sitchin claims that the Anunnaki genetically manipulated whatever species or entities were on our planet at the time, and hence came Adam and Eve. What do you think of that theory?
1: Well, I think that the texts specifically say that the Lord, in this case, formed man— and so in my belief, what we have here is a um, somewhat biblical story of, guard, of the Garden of Eden um, and not necessarily the history of a, a biological creation in that way from those particular texts. Um, so if you, if you look at the narrative of the Garden of Eden, um, which predates what we have in the Old Testament um, by a lot, so there's, there's very ancient tellings of this. And it may actually be oral tradition as well that then later got written down, making it far older than we could even imagine to some extent. Um, but the formation of man is a really important concept there. And so with formation, it could be something more akin to civilizing. You know, if we look at the, the sort of a story that it takes place, the place of Eden appears in the cuneiform Um, tablets and translates in Sumerian to an uncultivated plain. And when it speaks of of Adam, the Hebrew Adama translates to ground. And the word Adam in Hebrew literally means red, which connected Adam to the red soil of the uncultivated plain. And so, you know, this connection has sometimes been recognized as a reference to man being created from clay, um, but that's something that is pretty well debated, currently even in religious scholarship. Um, so it gets a little dicey when you go into this because you're starting to challenge a lot of orthodoxies and oh, a lot sure. of different religious ideas and, and uh, you know, it's, it, it can get people pretty upset. Um, but in, in terms of how the, the people were created, uh, I, I, I think that it's more of a, a semantic issue. I can't say for certain that they were biologically created, say, in um, in like a lab coat, uh, beaker sort of science fiction type way. Right,
0: which is I how Zechariah portrayed it, basically.
1: Kind of like that, yeah. And I think, I think the, the, it would be more likely that it was done through careful genetic manipulation and selective breeding.
0: Nonetheless, it's an incredible story, isn't it, Heather?
1: Oh, it absolutely is. And, and so much of it is so unknown still. I mean, I'm so surprised every day uh, when I, you know, get a new class of students in, and I, I usually start going through and, and saying, how many are familiar with the Sumerians? And at, at very best, I get about 5% of the hands up in the air. The young people today have no idea who the Sumerians are. I take it a step further, and I say, what about the Egyptians? And a lot of them don't even know about the Egyptians.
0: Really? Really, are they aware I, of the pyramids?
1: They're aware, but a lot of them, I, I do these informal polls in the beginning so that I can kind of adjust my teaching to that and uh, to not assume that they know. And I've asked many times, are you familiar with King Tut? That's one that hardly anybody knows. And I say, what about television? Do you not see things on television? And just sort of blank stares, like, it's not their fault. that They look at me like, should we know? Is it something we need to know? And I just think, wow, the you know, the public schooling has failed them, and then they come to college, and they have to be taught all these things.
0: That's an interesting take, too. So the Anunnaki, could they be demonic? Could they be the fallen angels?
1: You know, in when I was researching my previous book, Evil Archaeology, I kept coming up to that more and more. Every time I would see that there was this direct link between evil entities and demons and then these Anunnaki sort of gods. Uh, I don't. And then mean, you got
0: to bring the Bible into
1: it. And then you have to bring the Bible into different religions and different ideas. But, you know, you can do sort of a comparative analysis between a lot of different gods and, and you know, deities and demons, and, and there's something very similar to all of them. They have kind of a thread. So, for instance, I don't think that they're all demons in that classical sense because the Sumerians had their own pantheon of demons. Um, but there is a little crossover. So when you have Enki, um, who is looked at in this, to the Sumerians as like a, a, a giver of information and a very important god, um, but if you look at his story, it really is similar to that of Prometheus. It's similar to Lucifer of the Gnostic faith, if you will. And it's, it's like Loki to the Nordics and, uh, you know, so many different ones. And so in a way, given that, you know, you could say that that could be a demon-like influence, given how we see Lucifer today as a demon, though may, it may not be in that traditional sense of demon, like a, a little creature or, a you know, anthropomorphized animal or something like that. So I think it's a little blurred, but I, I don't... I don't think that they're unrelated and that's something that I think is really important and you know the more and more I've looked into these subjects about the others the different sort of life forms or otherworldly entities the more I see a connection between what we may call demons but we may also call angels and things like aliens or even on Mm -hmm.
0: and on. Do you think ancient wisdom is being suppressed?
1: I do. I, I do. I know that sounds very you know, over-the-top, or even conspiratorial.
0: Not really. Um, Not on this show.
1: <laughs> oh, good, because <laughs> um, I, I do actually think that is the case. Um, if you remember the looting in the Iraqi Museum, that was something that was clearly um, planned.
0: Oh, yeah. That was... Yeah.
1: They, 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 our own government came out and said that you know, this had been done by somebody who knew what they were doing. They came
0: in and what they, they wanted.
1: They knew what they wanted. They had a list and they went in with surgical precision precision oh excuse me, precision and they took what they wanted, many of which actually were were Sumerian texts, if you could believe that. Almost five thousand of them were Sumerian texts. So that's you know interesting in and of itself, but we're living in a time where so much is being held back. I mean, you could look at the suppression in a number of ways. One, if you consider that most of the students that come into my class have no idea who the Sumerians are, that means that in public school, they're not being told a lot of just basic, important, foundational information. And then two, on a different front, you have the destruction of libraries and museums today, just like the burning of the library in Alexandria. Mm -hmm. We've had that very thing happen um, you know, in modern time with the burning of the uh, National Museum of Brazil.
0: Can I go out of uh, a limb here and say that you believe the Anunnaki are probably extraterrestrial, your personal belief?
1: My personal belief is that, how you could define them as extraterrestrial, um, I, not that they would be necessarily the greys, per se. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say that, Um, and that type of extraterrestrial. But I think we're looking at something maybe more... um,
0: Out of this world?
1: Interdimensional, out of this world, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, all you may be right there. Where are they? Where'd they go?
1: I think they're still here.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Because we look like them. Who would know, right?
1: Well, uh, Well, I don't know if they look... I don't know if they could materialize. I don't know if it's something like that. Um, But I do think that in a lot of ways, um, they're still with us. If if you look at it as a a sort of interdimensional thing, um, there's a lot of reason to believe that people are still trying to contact these beings today. So if you think about through history, people trying to make contact with, say, demons or angels or, you know, using Enochian magic as uh, John Dee did to try to contact these entities, which I believe are the same entities, you have now groups of people, even in in modernity here in Silicon Valley, um, who are trying to contact off-world beings using um, different forms of meditation and also DMT. You know, and I I say this not to scare anybody or, you know, I know a lot of people are very much interested in um, exploring other realms using psychedelics, and I'm not Um, promoting the use of psychedelics, and nor am I discouraging them. I believe in freedom. Um, But I will say that there are many people who have experienced contacting these sorts of entities um, who they characterize as elves or aliens or guides or even helpers. Um, And at the same time, some of them visually see these creatures look like things that we would describe the alien abduction scenarios. Mm -hmm. So. You know, reptilians or praying mantises, um, and and so I I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out either.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.